Hello and welcome to another episode of Fan Tripper, the show where famous fans talk about the clubs that they love. I'm Luke Bradshaw and I'm the sports editor here at Culture Trip. This week we chat to Dave Berry. Dave has been a mainstay in British TV and radio for nearly 20 years now, but more importantly for this episode, he's a big, big Charlton fan. I got with Dave at Absolute Radio where he currently presents his show to talk all things Charlton. We discuss how he grew up near the valley itself, we talk about his brief foray into Arsenal fandom. We talk about his ambassadorial role, managing his heroes. And obviously, we also talk about the ownership of the club at the moment and what the status for Charlton is going forward. We hope you enjoy. Here's Dave. Okay, Dave, mm. thanks for your time. Thanks for coming to talk about Hello, Charlton. Thank you. A good place to start is probably how you became a Charlton fan in the first place. Um, I understand that you grew up in South London. I did, yes, I'm from Charlton. Um, growing up though, we were homeless. Charlton were ground sharing with Crystal oh, Palace. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. This is where I'm going to tell you my story of woes where I was a chimney sweep and that's how I made the, the big jump to being a broadcaster. No, Charlton were homeless. We weren't at the Valley. We were ground sharing with, um, with Crystal Palace and with West Ham for a while, which is incredible to think about in the kind of modern era. Um, so my first team, um, as I believe most um, presenters and comedian support was Arsenal. Um, so my first game was Arsenal versus Wimbledon at Highbury, which I only found out recently, it was in 1989, and it was the game they played, it was two all with Wimbledon, and it was the game they played before they beat Liverpool to win the league, that famous right, game. That yeah, that um, I believe I saw a thing, Lee Dixon says they're making a kind of film of that evening. Um, so I don't know whether it'd be nice to see kind of an eight-year-old me somewhere in the crowd if they do a build-up piece or whether they're just going to do that kind of one night in Turin treatment for it. You um, actually haven't been in, invited to contribute? To no, that. no, I think I think me missing all four goals because I was shelling monkey nuts when I was eight isn't enough to get invited on to talk about such a game. But that was my first game. And, you know, and I wasn't, you know, my dad is a big sports fan and you know played football you know at amateur level and we would kick a ball about but he wasn't ever really interested in driving to Crystal Palace to to watch Charlton so I didn't really see um you know other than Arsenal at Highbury I didn't see you know what is now my beloved Charlton until a couple of games before the epic um playoff final at Wembley Sunderland yes which I was at so that was kind of you know if you're going to fall in love with a football club um, let it be over a game of that magnitude, which so many uh, writers um, put in the kind of top 10 football games from a neutral's perspective that mm. has ever been. And it, and it was an epic. And for those who don't know, it kind of was like 1-0, one 1-0, one 2-1-2, all, 3-2, two, 3-0, two, all, two, all, 4 all penalties, and we won. So it was, it was an incredible day. And then you kind of hooked. And by that time, we'd returned to the Valley, which um, w- was... A, a, such a Herculean task on behalf of the real fans because there was the there was the brains who were going into Greenwich Council and other places and saying that this is a derelict wasteland you know we need to have our football club home and there and there was the brawn of the people who offered their services and the tradespeople who came and kind of you know put it together. I was talking to Alan Kerbishley the other day and he said that they had a a cup game against Manchester United who came to the Valley when it had just been kind of cobbled back together, for want of a better expression. 
And Sir Alex said to him, like, you've done, this is fantastic. Like, the, the facilities you've laid on, the, the kind of food for the players and everything else, this is really, really impressive. To which Kerbishy told me, he said, oh, in that case, can I have Phil Neville on loan, please? <laughs> <laughs> that was the kind of class of 92 Phil Neville as well. Um, so it was great when they came back. And then, you know, it's, as I say, it's, it's interesting. I don't know how many people listening to this have had that um, incredible experience of being able to hear goals being scored from your bedroom window which is quite amazing because it literally is a 10 minute walk from my mum and dad's house so when the windows were open in the house you could hear when we had scored you kind of knew we'd scored before it was announced on the radio and you went back to the valley in sort of 25 years ago so we just okay. did a big kind of back to the valley game which i was one of the managers um which was quite nerve-wracking um, but yeah, so it was 25 years ago. Okay. And so what, how old would you have been then? Uh, I would have been, I don't know, what is that, 12, 13? Okay. And so before, like you weren't sort of going to Charlton Games with your dad or with your friends when no, you were young? No, it wasn't, as I say, it wasn't really my dad's thing. And my, my neighbour, um, who was the huge Arsenal fan, um, he had a son who was like my age. So he kind of took right, on the yeah. mantle of taking us to, to, to the Arsenal. Right, um, which okay. was at the opposite end of London, but he was a big fan. Um, so then I kind of found my own way into the football, really. And you start, you start to kind of meet other people who are Charlton fans and you go with them. And, and then my, um, my boss, when I was about, I don't know, 17, he had a season ticket and there was a few of them. So I used to kind of, when someone was not able to make it, I would pop along in the North Stand, in the proper fan stand. And now when I go, I'm with the prawn sandwich lot it's awful <laughs> <laughs> and when you sort of said you the playoff final was like yeah. the moment of like right now mm. I mean, did you then sort of go back read up on on child's history and stuff or were you already aware of that and it's just you weren't going to the game well all i was aware of was there was a uh, a derelict sports stadium 10 minutes <laughs> from my house that i used to go and um, that, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well me and my friends used to go and knock around there because there was lots of things to pick up and throw and hit each other with and all those things um and then there was and obviously you know the, the improvements to the stadium and and, and Charlton shaping themselves up to be a solid championship club and then a premier league club for seven years that was already in place but it just kind of passed me by if i'm totally honest you know we were having this conversation before we came on air there's a lot of people who are kind of on the coattails of things or will maybe possibly talk about a faux history and involvement with the club, but, you know, not many people glory hunt Charlton Athletic. So <laughs> my story is a truth. Um, so it was kind of a couple of games before the final, um, the final, and then after that, that's when things started to kind of kick on. But I've never been, I've always kind of, you know, a doffer the cap to the real fans, the fans who travel and the fans who are every home game and particularly when we started to drop down through the leagues. I would, I would never claim to be one of those guys, mm. but I just I think it's very important to, to support your local club. My uh, colleague here at Absolute Radio, Frank Skinner, uh, he said that he thinks everybody should get a map out uh, from where they were born, find the nearest professional football club, stick a pin in it and say, that's my one. <laughs> so I'm kind of doing that. I know it doesn't work that way. And, and, and you know, I, know, I understand why. And I quite like seeing kids walking around with Real Madrid shirts on and stuff, you know. Um, I mean, my girlfriend does it every time we move house. And it's like, you haven't quite worked oh, this out. <laughs> I, no, okay, so what, you move and now you're near QPR yes, well, or yeah. you're near... She's currently a Crystal Palace fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh so you're down in South yeah, London. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and that's great. I mean, it's a shame what's happening at Palace. I mean, you know, there's, there's obviously, again, if we're talking about real football fans, there's also those football fans who 
you know, genuinely believe in all of those, um, you know, rivalries and, and stuff. But for me, I've got, well, you know how it's living around now. I've got friends who support West Ham. I've got friends who support Crystal Palace. I've got my best friend who supports Millwall. Imagine that. Um, and that was another, that was a, the problem about, whilst I don't begrudge um, Crystal Palace, you know, their success, it will be quite good if they do go down because I think we're going to do quite well this season. If we go up, we've got a local derby on our hands and that's always a fun game for all the fans. Yeah, definitely. When you sort of started going to games, mm. like that would probably be a, for like the average armchair football fan, that would be around the same time that sort of Charlton came to people's consciousness. Like. Yeah. So yeah. that, I mean, don't, maybe not glory days, but that's, in, in my lifetime, that's as good as yeah. I've seen Charlton. Well, no, it was great. I mean, we, we were doing very well. I mean, people... I, was it they sorry. were there for a year, relegated, up and back again, up. and then they had that... We had six or seven yeah. seasons. The, I mean, as I was going to say, a, a lot. some people I've spoken to, older people than myself, and people who know a lot more about the club and are those kind of people who can remember the stats and the players, some of them put attribute it down to Scott Parker going to Chelsea... That season, like Jan, would have been two thousand four, a mid-season. Yes, and and there, I've read a fascinating article, and I, I actually don't think it was written by a Cholton fan, even though it may sound like it is. But they said that if Scott had stayed, we would have done something special that season. They think that Chelsea only bought him because they, at that time, as we know, they were just hoovering up everybody. And had he stayed, they they this this person wrote that they they saw a future for him where. Sir Alex comes in and he's that replacement for Roy Keane. He's that guy in midfield. He could have had a very different career because it didn't work out for him at Chelsea. Well, yeah, he was young. On the wing. Yeah, well, yes. And, and, and then, and he, you know, he became, he's had quite a nomadic career, hasn't he? Because he was at West Ham and he was at Fulham and Newcastle, Newcastle of course. So it, it could have been a different, but some fans say that. I mean, I, whilst, you know, it was detrimental to my team. And, and Scott Parker was also that guy. He was the kid in the McDonald's advert. That was what everybody knew. He was the kid with the blonde curtains doing the keepy-uppies in the back garden. So it was exciting. You know, and he was very, a very talented football player and he'd come through the academy. But I just don't know if you can begrudge somebody an opportunity to move to something that seemed that exciting at, that, at the time, you know. But it's a shame that he went. But it was a great side. I mean, I, I was um, I was at a game. I was at a game at Stamford Bridge, and um, it was the uh, Carling Cup. What's it called now? The Haribo oh, Cup. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I, actually, I got a screenshot of the of the teams. Now this was the this game. Is like Darren Bent. This is Darren Bent era, but this is the game where it was one all at the end, and this is Mourinho uh, was in charge. It was 2005, and we won on penalties. We won 5-4 on penalties. Uh, so their team, they had Cudicini, Paolo Ferreira, Terry, and this is the first time I saw whatever people's opinion of John as a man is, as a football player, he's one of the, he's one of the great English central defenders, and that was the first time I saw him up close. And watched him, and this was 2005, so he would have been, you know, relatively young, but marshalling the back four, as they say, and, you know, you could see he was going to be, be fantastic. But, you know, there was, that's Joe Cole, Essien, Robin, Good Johnson, Crespo, Drogba. So this was, this was great. So I should say I'm a Chelsea fan. Okay. Yeah. You, okay, though, I'm glad you got that. <laughs> this is a, an era of... And, and, and for us, we were, you know, it was kind of young Horidison, um, Chris Powell, Dennis Romadal, there was Ambrose and Murphy and Darren Bent, as you say. But the interesting thing about this game was that uh, Mourinho came afterwards and said it didn't count as his first defeat at Stamford Bridge because it was in the cup. 
So they said, because this is when he was the special one and, right. and he, was, he was unbeaten, we beat him. And he said, it no, it does not count. It is in the cup, um, as is Mourinho's one. But it was, a, it was a good, solid team, you know. And it was a shame when Kerbyshe left and, you know, the spiral started. Well, like they, had that, they had a year when they were, like, pushing for Europe for a long time. That was the Scott Parker year. That's, and so mm. then when Parker left, mm. tailed off. But then mm. they had the, also they had those years of, of doing really well and then consistently doing terribly at the end of the season. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it falls like, away. I mean... I think there's a there's a pattern there that you there's always going to be those clubs in the Premier League, aren't there? You yeah. know, I don't know how it, whether it would have been different had we had the injection of money, but you know, obviously with the exception of the amazing thing that Leicester did, it's pretty much and you know and obviously since then City have been invested in heavily and have become one of the, you know the most fantastic teams in world football. But it's always been pretty much the same, hasn't it? Mm. I don't know if you agree. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, as in Charlton, we're always going to be those guys. If you know, at best, you hope to be no, you know, no offense, but you hope to be Stoke. You know, yeah. you know, you'd be happy with Stoke. And I think that was one of the issues. And this is again, I, I don't remember games, I don't remember stats. And so, if any Charlton fans or football fans are listening to this, and I'm wrong, but I, I remember that it was the consensus that it was times for us to kick on which is still something you read about all of the time in football. It's like, let's get rid of that guy and let's get in the... Well, this is what's happened to Palace. We don't want the Sam Allardyce way anymore. We want the Frank De Boer way. We want that Ajax attacking. And it, people needed to pause, I think, for a moment before they made that decision and think about, have we got the players? And are we actually happy where we are? Well, yeah, to go from... Allardyce to De Boer to Hodgson yeah. is quite the sort of... Well, it shows you what a mistake they <laughs> made in the middle. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Um, but as I say, I don't wish, I don't wish Palace any, you know, no. any wrong. You know, I, I, good luck to Crystal Palace and their fans. You know, it's fine. But I do hope they get relegated and we get promoted. That'd be nice. Obviously. Yeah. And do you, so do you remember when Kebisley left? Was it, was it a big sort of, like, drop-down or was a kind of a sense that he, his time had come I think, I think the fans were quite divided on that and I, you know because he'd been there a long time and yeah he'd been there 15 years or 90s, something yeah something like that. exactly and he was joint manager with Steve Grit to begin with and then, and then became the main man and obviously it was along with Peter Vardy and other key figures at the at the at the, um, at the club I think that how they spent the money and what they did with the stadium I think they spent it wisely and I think that, you know, the valley holds like 25,000 people-ish. And it's a, nice, it's a really nice state. It's, it's nicer than League One, you know, it is. It's, it's nicer than League One. State. And particularly at the moment as it's kind of like not even half empty <laughs> uh, most weeks. Um, but no, I mean, I remember the thanks, the thanks curb signs that everyone was holding up, you know, in red and white. And, you know, that was, that was nice. I mean, I was an advocate of naming a stand after him, which I wrote about. Years ago, um, I don't know how many people would support happen. that. I don't. I don't know how many people would support that. But I also think that you know, as far as building something, you know, as far as professional football goes, he was. You know, he yeah. Was I, mean, I guess so. I can't think of any any players really. Or I mean, we've got statues to you know a great goalkeeper whose name escapes right now, which is Bartram and and other such stuff. And we've got Keith Peacock, who's a living legend, and I'm very happy to call him a friend. He's got his own suite and. These people have, you know, they, but, you know, I don't know, maybe... Well, like, Kirby would be up there. I mean, in terms of, 
where they were when he arrived and what he did while he was there. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's now... a massive contribution. And he oversaw them going back to the valley. Yeah, well, this is it. And, and, and how it looks now, as I say, it, it's, 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 a, you know, it's, it's quite an impressive stadium, particularly for League One. Yeah, so, and, you know, the way in which, you know, there, there, would, there would have been a time, I suppose, where as a Chelsea fan, you would have thought maybe if, if you were going to name a stand after someone, Mourinho would be up there. But obviously the way in which modern football works is that's never, ever going to happen. So, and, and those kind of the heroes, you know, if you look at, you know, the people who are doing namings, you know, obviously Sir Bobby Charlton has yeah. one, um, Ferguson got one, Kenny Dalglish got a stand at Liverpool the other day, didn't he, named mm. after him. So people are kind of, you know, there's, in modern football, there's, no, there's not many players or managers who are sticking around long enough to become legends. So then there's just, and then what, where are we going to end up with? Like, what's, what's St James's Park called now? Yeah, Sports Direct. Yeah, are we going to have well, the sportsdirect.com stand in supposed to like looking back and, you know, picking well, so out Alan Shearer or someone, you know? And so many stadiums are now sold to like naming rights. Oh, this is, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, I think there's a Ant and Deck, two pals of mine, big Newcastle. The Ant and Deck stand. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, God, they deserve it just for light entertainment. Finally. Contribution yeah. to light entertainment on ITV, they deserve it. But what I mean is you... You'd, have, you'd always have to call... They're the only two Newcastle fans I know, but you'd have to call it St James's Park in front of them. If you ever said to Sports Direct Arena, they'd be flipping livid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I no, nobody... Yeah, I don't think there's a single Newcastle fan out no. there. But, but what we're... You know, I don't know. Again, you look at a League... You look at a League One club, that's certainly League Two clubs, maybe Championship clubs. If somebody comes in, for the argument of the fact we're, we're here, if Absolute Radio come in and they say, we want to name your stadium, the Absolute Radio Stadium, and we'll give you £10 million or whatever, I don't know the figures involved. Yeah. Then it's, but there's so much money in the Premier League, you need to hold on to those. It goes back to the naming thing. You need to hold on to those bits of tradition. You need to keep the fans on side because Sky are paying you much more than you already need, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean... It seems to be only when when clubs want to build a new stadium and can't afford it, they yeah. go. This is this is the only way we can afford it. So I mean, like the Tot- Tottenham, I don't think Tottenham's new, even though it's White Hart Lane getting rebuilt. Pretty sure it's not going to be called White no. Hart Lane anymore. And I thought every Spurs fan will still call it White Hart Lane. Well, I, I hope they do. But the strange, I mean, the strange thing is, it's second nature to call it the Emirates now. I remember that feeling strange. Yeah, but I think it's slightly different if you're moving stadium. Okay. Because oh, that you mean so the so rebuild. that wasn't that wasn't Highbury rebuilt. No. They went off and built, and it's very close. But it's, there must have been some people saying, "Let's name this Highbury, Highbury the sequel." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Highbury, Highbury returns. The next generation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, but with Tottenham, it's exactly the same location. It looks That's, like it's going to be very impressive there. Yeah. At this time, were you going? Were you ever going to games regularly? We. Did you have a season ticket? And well, it was. Or did you have a group of mates that you went? Yeah. In well, and... as I say, my, my 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 employer who owned a clothes shop in Greenwich, nearby Greenwich, which I worked in, um, him and a few of his friends had like a group of season tickets between them. So every out. so often, they did. You want yeah. to come? And I would. Uh, but then um, would have been about oh, can't be ten years, maybe ten years ago. But uh, they asked me to become an ambassador for the club for the uh, Charlton Athletic Community Trust which was a great honour, um, and they asked me to be the Youth Services Ambassador, which I recently said, can we change the title, because I've got silver bits in my beard now, so I don't know how youth services I'm going to be. Um, but what that meant was that, that I'd get to go to the games, but I would be invited to the games to kind of shake hands with people from the council and ask them to give us money so that we could help 
people in the community. And that's where you kind of become, even though it was, I'd like to point out for charity reasons, one of the Prawn Sandwich Brigade. Right. Um, so, so then I would, you know, kind of go, I'd be going to, to um, key games, um, and then I moved, to, I moved to the other side of London, that's the other thing, the convenience of rolling out of bed and walking down, getting a ticket. So it became more of a, um, you know, make a whole day of it. But I'm hoping to go on Saturday. Uh, I've, as, I've, as, at time of record, we have uh, Wimbledon on Saturday at home. I, I think I went to Wimbledon last season at the Valley. Oh, did you? Okay. Do you like the Valley? I do. I've actually played at the Valley. Oh, have you? Oh, brilliant. Well, uh, so my Sunday League team, uh, two, two sort of consecutive summers, we hired it out to play our A team and B team Fantastic. against each other. And Did you it's get home dressing room or? One year I got home, one year okay. I got away. And it is funny playing in a stadium that's empty. I mean, surprisingly, there weren't 25,000 people there. No. But playing in an empty, there's Our this first real... team was saying that. <laughs> yeah. You get this real, like, echo that goes around. But when you thump the ball, yeah, yeah, or exactly. when you shout. Like, oh, yeah. I quite like this. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, like, I mean, it is amazing, like, going from that from playing just with five people yeah. watching us and then having, like, oh, we're in a proper stadium. And like, uh, the... The away dressing room mm. isn't a million miles away from my dressing room on a Sunday. Like it's it's quite small. It is, and that was when I we did the Back to the Valley charity game, which was only like last month. Keith Peacock managed um, the the kind of first team, and I managed the second team. But there, it was all made up of Cholton legends. But that was the one of the first things he said. Uh, I'm so happy you've agreed to do this day. It's great having you on board. I'm having the home dressing room, and I thought. Because I'd only been in the home like on as part of a stadium tour or when I was getting shown round. And I thought, how bad can it be? But yeah, it's, it's, it's tiny, isn't it? It's it is tiny, yeah. Um, you mentioned that game. Was that, was that weird doing that? I mean, sort it of was weird. Looking around and sort of, who do I tell to do what? Well, it was <laughs> weird. But, well, this is it. Well, the, one of the first, because uh, Johnny Jackson, who's our, our captain at the moment, uh, to be doing a bit of kind of coaching as well and a kind of a, I don't know if he's his assistant manager but he's kind of part of the backroom staff as well now which is great for him um, he I said I called him and I said would you help me with this because A I can't remember who anybody is as I've said I've pointed out you know I, I mean I know key faces but also these people have changed you know like it happens to us all you know they're all in much better physical shape than most people would be but they don't look like they did in the 98 when play. they were a poster yeah exactly <laughs> right <laughs> um so he said um he said to me afterwards he said it's the most polite i've ever heard a manager because uh, like mark kinsella was on the bench and for, I your, said, for your side for me and he was sat on the bench. he played and then we came up for the second half and he just you know i was giving him a little bit of rest time and I, and I said, oh, oh uh, Mark, would you, um, would you mind being a love and <laughs> coming on? <laughs> and he's like, who am I coming on for? <laughs> and I said, oh, I was going to take, because um, Johnny Jackson was on, I said, I'm going to take Johnny Jackson off. And he just looked past me at the picture and went, he's got another 10 minutes. <laughs> I went, oh, okay, Mark, yeah, of course. <laughs> like the, the worst football manager all the time. And then we were three, we were um, two one down at one point and all of the fans started singing, you're getting sacked in the morning. <laughs> Which was great, which is very funny, but yeah. So, it, but it was a it was a special day, you know. It was nice, and we raised um I think we raised like thirty grand, and the fans the fans came along, and just judging from well, a the abuse that I got yelled at me and Twitter afterwards, they all had a good time. So, was it exclusively ex Charlton players and you? 
Well, it, well, this was the thing because originally they said, "Why don't we try and do a celebrity?" Because yeah. I used I, I used to do a bit of presenting on um, Soccer Aid, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, that's and you're talking Robbie Williams and Zidane. So you don't want to you don't want to be straight away the watered down version of an event like that. And then the more and Keith did all the hard work. He he rang all the former players that he coached and everything. And I said, we kind of met up a few months later. I said to him, look, the players you've got, we don't want to muddy the waters by me ringing me, another radio DJ yeah, and Ollie TV presenter. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, yeah. Ollie would do it. Um, but yeah, you know, we don't, we don't, I don't think we should muddy the waters by doing that. We should make, for the fans, and also because of the competition amongst the two teams as well, because that was, what was great was a lot of these guys hadn't seen each other in a long time. And there was genuine competition. And Keith, who was assistant manager to Curbs, had this blue book which he got out, and in it was everybody's weight. And it was just this meticulous, um, like, beautiful, like beautiful handwriting for a sportsman. Uh, this, just this scroll. And he, um, when everyone had settled into dressing rooms, he got the book out, and like, a lot of these guys hadn't seen it in like, you know, 20 years. And he went round, it was the weight they are now, now that they're in their like 40s, some of them in their 50s, and what they were when they were professional football players. And the, the lads got a real kick out of that. So it was nice. And people going between each other's dressing rooms. And mm. just before we went out, one of the, I can't really remember who it was, said, oh, the gaffer looks quiet, lads. He hasn't said anything. Maybe he's nervous. So then I was like forced into like doing like a kind of motivational speech, which went... Um, thank you all for doing this. It's for a good cause. If you don't know who I am, I work for the charity. So thank you. It's over to your captain, Steve Grit. And then Steve Grit did the... We know. There was no formation. No. I, I, wrote, I wrote one up on the flip chart just to tick that life box. But there was no... They just went and played. Yeah. yeah, they just they got out there and did their thing. Um, a friend of mine is a big Fulham fan. And, right. Um, he's, he's in the Maccabees and he did a... Oh, yeah, okay. He did a charity thing, mm -hmm. same thing. And they, he was playing for the Fulham Legends. Like he's a massive, massive Fulham fan. Playing for the Fulham Legends team. But it was exclusively them and him against a sort of mishmash of celebrities and ex-pros right. and stuff. And he, he was just spending the entire time terrified because it was just going around. And they were doing, well, hey, I haven't seen you for, you know, Barry Hales and <laughs> yeah. Chris Coleman. Just all sort of like, yeah. and, and then when he got in, they sort of hid his kit. And he was oh, like, okay. he's just, yeah, I yeah. don't know what to do here. Yeah, and um, obviously just spent the whole time in this is amazing. But then he, when he got the pitch, he's not that great at football. And no, so spent the whole time Mark Pembridge shouting at him to get into space. right. Okay, yeah, <laughs> he, he summed it up perfectly. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt, you know. Um, and my dad said to me, he came down and he said that um, on the in you know in the technical area, he said you 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 know you, you look the part. Did you uh, suit up? Suit, yeah, suit, I, suit or track I did, suit? I did, well, I did, I did suit. I did suit, but I did it with like kind of like trainers. I, you know, I did a thing. I had a thing, um, but um, kind of like the half English, half Irish Pep Guardiola was what I was going for. Um, but he said that he said you look the part, but inside my head there was just a monkey going around like symbol clashing. I just looked at all these players going, I don't even know what to yell. Occasionally, I'd like point at something. I did that a lot. And I kind of went like that, you know, I kind of Shout opened myself out a little bit and, um, and then I'd kind of walk down the touchline to Keith and go, and, Keith, and you know, Keith would pantomime up when he'd come over and go like, who should I bring on now, Keith? <laughs> but it was did a you, did you enjoy it? Uh, I, do you know, uh, the, the lads, like your friend in the Maccabee said, you know, they, there was a lot of camaraderie. They were, really, they were really kind and they were very generous and they, 
they saw me for what I was, which was yeah. a Charlton fan who was, you know, doing this because it's a great day. But I was pleased when it was over and we were all having a beer and, you know, it was kind Precious of done. Off. Yeah, exactly. Did you win? It was thrill and we lost on penalties. But in a really nice touch, um, Clive Mendonca, who was the hat-trick hero of the 98... Cult legend. <clears throat> well, that's um, right. He couldn't play, but he said he would come down. So he came down, he did... Um, um, he did like a penalty shootout at half time, which like people paid to be have a penalty taken against them, which all obviously went to charity, which was really nice of him. But then when it was three all and we got to the last penalty, Keith um, Keith called Clive over who hadn't played, which is obviously a terribly illegal move. <laughs> um, and Keith and um, and Clive Mendonca took the last penalty that won the game. Okay, it's okay to lose to Clive Mendonca. Yeah, and you know, and the fans loved that, and it was a great story, and you know, and there were. And you know, a lot of those uh, Luke Young, uh, Luke Young was on my team. I, I don't, I don't know what what uh, he lives in Ibiza now. He looked really well, and I'm not sure if he had an injury or whatever it may be. But he could definitely, definitely still play for Cholton. Yeah, I mean, like, when you get those games, you always sort of get in like Legends game. You get sort of someone who's mid fifties, put a load of weight on, and then you get someone who's retired two years ago and is looking in. Fantastic shape. Yeah. Well, this is it. You know, I was talking to Carl Robinson, our current manager, who, by the way, <laughs> he probably won't make me say this, but it was just carnage in the two dressing rooms, and we had like half an hour till kickoff. And he said, he went, "Come in here, Dave. Come in here." So I went. In the, that's a Liverpool accent, by the way. <laughs> I went. Um, I went into the office. And he said. He said, "Do you know what I do? Sometimes I just lock the door." So he just shut the door, and he went, oh, "Isn't that nice?" <laughs> so we just both of us just stood in his office on his on our own. Well, we just heard like carnage outside, but all kind of like muffled, and it was a dream. So I think he gets in there, does his thing, and then just shuts the door, has a Haribo, lets him get on with it. <laughs> but it must, I mean, it must be like, if you're a manager, if you come off a, a bad result or something, oh, you hear like... I suppose it's, I suppose what you'd like, not that I, now I'm trying to talk like I know anything about football management. Yeah, you and Carl just keep yeah, I know, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Um, but he, uh, I imagine you want to hear your team, your team sort those things out. I think possibly, again, at time of record, one of the things maybe Arsene Wenger would like to hear at Arsenal would be those guys tearing into each other. I think that's certainly what the fans would like to hear, you know, because you'd, you'd, you'd like to hear that passion, wouldn't you? Yeah, un <clears throat> undoubtedly. But this was before the game we were hiding. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're an ambassador for the Community yes. Trust. So does all the, the stuff you do there, that raises money to go back into... Like community project, it's not yeah. into the club. That's what it does, yeah. It, no, it's 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 kind of separate from the club, and um, it's still it, it, given Cholton's league position. So, so is it set? Does it run by the club, or it, is it an outer? Well, it start. It was started by a gentleman, Jason Morgan, who's a lovely guy, MBE. He want me to add that in. Um, never likes to talk about his charity work. No, um, it, it 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 kind of started the time we went back to the valley, so tw twenty five years ago. And it was, as, as, he, as he says, you know, him and a bag of balls and getting some kids, you know, off the streets to have a kick about. I mean, there's a lot of players now have foundations that do this and a lot of clubs do it and it's fantastic. But it was one of the first and still it's one of the biggest with its reach and it wins awards all over the world, which I'm really proud of. Nothing's to me. I'm really proud of the, the, the work that the guys do there. But they do things like... It's everything from helping the youth, which is what I was involved in, and I, I put on... Um, I did a kind of, not that I've ever watched it, but I suppose it can be called an X Factor style contest for local talent across all musical genres. 
And then I put a gig on at the Indigo 2, which is the smaller venue in the O2. Um, and um, the three of the um, artists that we kind of picked got to play on that stage. So they got to say they played the O2. And, and some of them are doing quite well now. Autumn Sharif is a girl who went on to do very well on The Voice. She's recording now, she's, she's fantastic. She was like 18 at the time. Right. But at the other end of that, they kind of have the stop smoking obesity awareness classes for the over 65s. Right, okay. And it's all channeled into that, into that kind of Greenwich, Cholton, Woolwich area. So it's great. And as I say, the game raised 30 grand. So it was just lovely, lovely of everyone to fly in and drive in and be part of it. And you've done that for about 10 years, years, I think. Yeah, I got called into Peter Varney's office, who's obviously a bit of a legend at Cholton. Um, and he said, you know, do you want to do it? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So, um, as I say, they do great work every day, and I pop along every now and again, have a glass of wine, shake someone's hand, watch Charlton, and then go home, <laughs> go and have a glass of whiskey with my dad at his house. That's kind of how it works. Does your dad still go to the games? Hey, I bought him to a few, but he became too much of a liability. He's, he's too prawn sandwich brigade, and he knows it, so we've had to stop. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he, he, we, we, go, we do go together, yeah. Okay. And, and it's a love, it's, you know, it, it has that reputation about being a family club, and and rightfully so, and it is, you know, and the, the, the supporters are very passionate, particularly with the ownership issues at the moment. Um, we've seen the protests and people have been, and it's been nice because people like the, Gar the Guardian wrote some amazing pieces about it. I, I blogged a little piece for Huffington, the BBC did some nice coverage on it. And it, it because the, you know, and, and it is a good family club, so it's nice to, to go as father and son. Mm. There's father and sons who are the son's nine you know, I'm 30 years older than that, but we're still father and son, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so it's good. But, you know, I, uh, I hope to continue to go with, with Dad for many years to come. So you mentioned the ownership. Mm. We're always going to get round to yeah. it, you know that. So, <laughs> yeah, so you might as well not to do it without talking yeah. about um, They've been there for a few years now, mm. and the sort of general consensus around football fans around the country and... and from what I can see, main Charlton supporter groups and stuff, no. it's of, it was of great unhappiness. Yes. Uh, what is your thoughts on the ownership? And or maybe let's start. What did you think when they bought the club? Was that was I, there a sort of exciting? Oh, we've got. Yes, it was. It was, and I and there, there's rumours of a takeover at the moment, and from an Australian company. And I'm just trying to remember where we were before. Because the, 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 the fit and proper person's test just doesn't mean anything, you know. Well, so, so how much can, can one fan dig into? They hear a name or a company and say, OK, I'm going to look into this now and see if they're fit, you know. Well, precisely. What, what you know? You just... And the thing is, is that, you know, uh, Roland Duchelet, the, the, the owner, he's made a, a shed load of money out of being, I think he's in electronics is how he made all of his money. He owned Standard Liège, which is a, you know, a very res well respected Belgian football club. So, the kind of things looked good, um, but you can't, you can't account for somebody not ever coming to the game. Can't account for somebody making chopping and changing managers as frequently as as he has, um, and as well. And you know, and I. I don't want to be part of the, the rumour gossip mill, but the, the, but there is hard fact evidence that, you know, he, he's that guy who sent Chris Powell when he was manager an email saying like, you know, if we go one nil up, then make sure you drop another man into midfield. I'm not sure if you 
I'm not sure right. if I need to explain right. how the four, four... Sounds you like know, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Imagine me saying that to, to Chris Powell. It's as ridiculous as that, but, you know. So, so whilst... Um, we're going. We're doing well at the moment, and Carl Robinson <coughs> is. He clearly he, he did very well at his uh, for, uh, MK Dons. I think he was at. He did well. Yeah, there. he was. It's good. And it seems to be turning round. And, and Johnny Jackson said to me as well. He said because obviously he's coming towards the end of his playing career. But he said he, he wishes that he was five years younger because there's a similar vibe in the dressing room at Charlton at the moment that he remembers from when we got promoted last time on the record 101 points mm. back to the championship. Which is really great to hear. Yeah. Um, but so was that under that, that was, was under Powell, and then Powell got sacked quite soon after oh. the takeover. It was like yeah. two, three games. Listen, this is what I'm talking about. Stands for Kerbishley because there's 15 years, and with my with my lack of stato brain, does that mean I can remember Powell's one guy? <laughs> yeah, I think there should be a Chris Powell stand as well. We've got Jimmy C. We've got enough. Um, but yeah, and then it just became a succession of. I think it was Jose Riga, there was Guy Luzan, there was Bob Peters. But then Riga came Riga back. came back because Blackpool were in even worse yeah, shape yeah. than Charlton. He had a rough time, time for a few times. Yeah, he <laughs> did. He came back. Then I think then there was Guy Luzan, who I actually quite liked. Then there was a Carl Ferreira, yeah. who I don't think had managed the football team before. Well, so it was just a succession of, 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 of different managers. And Carl Robinson looks like a, a good appointment. And, you know... Whilst you know, you know, we seem to have, you know, a, a, we seem to be doing well, which is why I'm going on Saturday just to see, just a glory hunt. That's right, glory Remnish. hunting Charlton Athletic Football Club. Soak that in. <laughs> um, but like each time a new, I mean, I don't know if this is just because it's a new manager coming in, but there there seem to be a sort of upturn in results. One of the times, like Riga kept them up, I think, and then yeah. left the first he time. Did. He kept yeah. them up first time he was there, then yeah. left, and then each time someone comes in, they sort of do fairly well mm. and then as soon as it drops off they're out yeah it falls apart yeah well yeah there, there's that but Carl seems to be kicking on you know um, he seems a different this, I mean this is going to sound like me being British jobs for British guys you know but he seems like a different appointment to the last what five or say, six. I, 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 again I, I'm same as you I'm certainly not a British jobs for yeah. British guys uh, is, is, is not my opinion but if we're talking about League One football, it, it, it can be tough. I mean, I was, there's a, a guy called Sam Wallace. I think, I think he writes for the Telegraph. The Telegraph? Yeah. And he, uh, he said something interesting, that there's this kind of golden halo of managers at the top level. And there's Mourinho, and there's Pep, and there's Ancelotti. And the clubs are just going to bring them in on almost like businesses do consultancy fees. Bring them in a couple of years, and... You know, and that's what's going to be happening. You can go in because all of the infrastructure's already there. They've got recruitment. They've got the facilities. They've got the goalkeeping. And you just need to come in and make sure you win us some trips. Bit, a bit like what Chelsea have kind of accidentally stumbled across as far as just keep hiring really great managers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a who, uh, it's a who's who. Of, oh, it's, yeah, an yeah, it's yeah. amazing. But it's also an incredible tro uh, trophy cabinet that, yeah. that you know, these guys have got you, even though they've only been there for a short time. But at League One level, it's very, very different. And that's why I thought Russell Slade might work out, because, you know, he'd been around the block. It didn't work out for him. Um, but it seems to be going OK at the moment. But as I say, what, you know, again, someone could listen back to this in a year's time. Yeah. But if we get promoted, if, if, if we get promoted, or when we get to January, actually, more importantly, 
that's when I want to see what happens. What 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 does he do? Not not I don't mean Carl. I mean Roland. Does he go? Does he go, Carl? Here's here's a couple of million, or here's a something. Go and pick some players just to strengthen up the squad. Let's go for that final push. And then if we do, if he does that, then we're all going to get a little bit onside. Then if we go to the championship and he sells all of our players that have got us there, then we're all gonna. It's going to start again. But if he then backs, you know, this is. I mean, is there anything that is there, is there anything that's happened during his ownership that makes you think he would actually do that? Not as yet. Not as, well, you know, because cons- I know, I mean, a club in that position, they, they're not going to be able to hold on to their best players. But they no, seem to, of course. The, when they've sold... So who, because, so I think like Poyet, Diego Poyet. Yeah, to um, West Ham, yeah. Gomez, they seem to sell them. Yeah, Gomez went to Liverpool. Lookman went to Everton most recently. I don't know if it's they could sort of hold on to them for a, maybe a year longer and get more mm. out of them or get a bit more mm. money for them. But it seems to be just like, as soon as they're... That the opportunity arises, they just sort of take. Uh, yeah, they'll take the yeah. three and a half million or whatever it is you're going to give. Well, them. I mean, ten million for Lookman. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> it, precisely. Whereas, you know, as I say, come January, there's going to be there's going to be clubs in the league. You know, I'm not talking about like a Lookman who's a special young player no. going to a Premier League club. It's different. But you know, McGuinness is getting goals. He's a big lad. He's an international at Northern Ireland. You know, for Northern Ireland, is someone in the Championship going to look at that? Yeah, and, and if he's, he's maybe struggling, possibly, and 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 could use could use him, um, but if he thinks he could play in the championship with Charlton, you know, well, this say, is this is it. Thing, and then yeah. Ricky Holmes, you know, he's a fantastic football player. Lots of people would like to get their hands in, I'm sure. So this is what I mean. So the it's in the owner's hands. You know, that's I suppose what the fans want is that we, we you know, I don't think any of us are, are, are stupid enough to think that a young um, defensive prospect in Gomez. Mm. moving to Liverpool it's just it's something you just have to kind of go oh well that's just what that's just part of what we are now mm. but and then as I say if the new owners um, you know new owners all sounds very good but we've been burnt before I mean does it make you angry at all about what's happened over the last five years is it more of no it, 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 it you know it's it, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say angry I, you know as I say when we first started talking I was talking about the Herculean effort of the fans to get us back to the valley, you know, through through your your brilliant broadcasting abilities and journalistic skills on this podcast journey. We we've talked about Kerbyshire building something and and everything else. It's it's a shame to see it torn down. But I've also I've never you know I've never been that guy who would be filmed on Sky Sports News HQ crying if his football team got relegated. Right. There's a perspective in this yeah. for me. But also. The, the pain of relegation, which I, when I blogged about it, the pain, pain of relegation is, is that some of these people you see around the, the valley, particularly if you're, as I say, if I'm in my ambassadorial role and you're around the corridors, really lovely people, lose their jobs. Mm. You know, there's a weight of responsibility on an owner. You know, football is one of the most uncertain things yeah. in life. It's, well, by its very definition, it's sport, isn't it? You don't know what's going to happen, but the women's team got slashed straight away when we got relegated. So it's sad, but, you know... Uh, but, you know, I, there's a perspective in it, apart from the, the genuine, you know, possibility of people losing jobs and mm-hmm. stuff. It's, you know, it's football. I mean, all the, the protests that have gone along with them have sort of got quite a lot of praise in, in like nationwide. Mm. because well, they're crazy, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, it, there <laughs> seems to be a few different groups that yeah. have got together. Yeah. And even with, like, 
supporters of Blackpool and Brighton, I think, as well, have yeah, there's been, been a lot because of, they lot of love, yeah. and those quite quite creative. And well, this is what I mean by like, crazy. But yeah, I, the pigs on the pitch, is, it was a big one. Pigs, beach uh, balls, beach the balls, funeral, the funeral, the funeral procession down um, Floyd Road was quite the thing. I also like the uh, there was a, the guys I like. Well, you know, I admire the guys who went over to Belgium, found the restaurant that Roland was having dinner in with his family, and um, knocked on the window, because Roland was stupid enough to ask for a window seat, um, and then they just unfurled a banner that said Roland out while he was having a steak tartare, <laughs> which, is an which is an hilarious, because it's just this guy like, looking out the window going, where did you now, come from? <laughs> yeah, and apparently that's, I mean, what they figured out was us, you know, people talking about this here, Apparently, it doesn't bother him at all. But if we, t if they, if that right, take okay. the fight to him in Belgium as a respected businessman, it, 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 it's you know it tarnishes his reputation, which apparently he doesn't like. Well, also, I, I've always thought like when I see these sort of things going on, not necessarily just at Charlton, any sort of ownership that, mm. that seem incredibly unpopular, I always think like. Is it worth it? Like, why? Why are you doing well, that's this? It's it. because you're fortune. You're not making any money no, no, out of this. If you're getting relegated. Well, but then if you're, if he's in Belgium the whole time and never comes to a game, how much is he actually? Well, that's it. And and there's you know obviously one of the, you know there's that amazing example of the Venkies who own Blackburn. Yeah. They didn't know you could get relegated. Exactly. And so they just maybe see it's a cash cow. I think Roland's smarter than that, and obviously he has had other football clubs before, which is why I think we were generally quite excited. I, I hope, here's the dream scenario. The dream scenario is the people who are looking in to buy the club right now are genuinely, legitimately looking to buy a club, a London football club, that with all the facilities that are ready to go to push on up. Roland realises this is more act than it's worth because he wants to enjoy his steak and doesn't want Charlton fans knocking at the window, but he realises he'll get a lot more money if we're a championship club. So he, as a businessman, will speculate to accumulate. So he will give Kyle the support he needs player-wise to get us to that level, then he can go, wow, that was a bit of a nightmare, but I've made £70 million or whatever it is, I can now go back to, to my eating my steak and everyone can leave me alone. And the fans can put the coffin down, they can put the pigs back in their pocket, and we can all watch some good football in the Championship and see where we go from there. And on that note, I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's excellent. Okay, last thing then. Go on. <clears throat> The, the best and worst things are about being a Charlton fan? Uh, the best things are the, uh, the best thing is the authenticity of what we've managed to achieve as a football club. From winning the FA Cup in the 30s to going out of business and sharing with an arch rival to coming back to the Valley and, and building a bit of a legacy, um, that's the best thing. Uh, the worst thing is... Um, the, the worst thing has been the chopping and changing of the managers and the uncertainty going forward. That and the black, gold and white fleece that they put out a few seasons ago as a piece of merch. It was horrendous. Might really come back, horrendous. might come back. Oh, Ten years I, I, I hope not. Yeah, that's true, actually. It had a proper 90s rave vibe about it, so it's probably, it's probably in Hoxton right now. Um, but yeah, there you go. Lovely. Thank you very much, Thank Dave. you for your time, man. No Thanks worries. for tuning in, everyone. That was Dave. Massive thanks to him for giving up some of his time. He's obviously a very busy man. It's an interesting time at the moment to be a Charlton fan with what's going on at the moment. There's so much public protest going on, but he seems cautiously optimistic about the potential changes in the future. We'll just have to wait and see what happens.
Thanks to everyone for listening and make sure you check out more Fan Tripper episodes to come and plenty more amazing content, not just sport, at Culture Trip. You can find us online, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and you can also download our app. Thanks again. Bye.